0: Welcome to episode 114 of Running Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Hadfield, and this week's special guest is none other than the winner of the recent Birmingham Commonwealth Games Marathon, Jess Stenson. This week, Matt, the Wolfman North, and I get to share our fanboy moments as we interview Jess about her incredible exploits in the marathon, two Olympic Games, three Commonwealth Games, now, gold medalist at the Commonwealth Games, a couple of world championships thrown in, and a pv of two twenty five, which she set in Perth just recently as well. So, just an incredible runner. Some incredible insights into uh, preparation, mindset, all sorts of great stuff there to take away. Now, Jess is also wearing a hat as a ambassador for the Blackmoor's Running Festival. So, we. We try to get a bit of a plug in there for for the guys at the Sydney Marathon in their quest to become a world marathon major. And We certainly encourage all our listeners to jump on and see if they can support or participate in that race this year or certainly over the next couple of years. It's such a big deal for Australian marathoning and marathon and and running in general. Um, so we get to chat to her about that. Jess is also a bit of an entrepreneur and. Uh, owns and operates her own running underwear company called RunDys. So we have a little bit of chat about uh, how they're guaranteed to shave three minutes off my marathon. (laughs) And uh, she's been quiet enough to offer our listeners a 15% discount on all the the gear over at RunDys. So if you use the discount code RMP15, uh, she's been kind enough to shave some some cash off all of those purchases for you, so jump on and support the the business and yeah, yeah they get their great kit. Before we get cracking, I'd like to thank our podcast partners: Runella, Raid Light, Fractel, Gaimia Allied Health, Basecamp Altitude, Goo Energy, Cronulla Beer Co, Running Matters Coaching, and Coda Nutrition. So again, get on and have a look at those those products and our various discount codes that are in the show notes. But without further ado, we'll get the incredible Jess Stenson on the line. Enjoy. Okay. Welcome to the podcast. Jess Stenson, how are
1: you? Um, well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: no worries at all. It's good to see you chucked your best headphones on for the experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, Um. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was in a bit of a mad panic and I grabbed Billy's headphones so they don't quite fit over my head. I've got them behind my neck.
0: <laughs> Bob the Builder sticker looks good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, look, I guess first of all, congratulations on your amazing effort in Birmingham for the Com Games. We were all so pumped looking at you from the couch. Well, well done.
1: Thank you. No, it was a, an incredible experience, honestly. Like, I, yeah, just... The training camp beforehand, our time in Birmingham, the team, the atmosphere, it was just one of those um, months that we'll remember and treasure forever.
0: Unreal. Very exciting. Well, we should, we'll take you back a couple of years before Birmingham just to get a little bit of background from our listeners. Not that people don't know Jess Denson, but obviously the fresh air of Narricourt breeds some exceptional athletes, and the <laughs> Trengroves are all quality athletes in their own right. How competitive with each other were Jack, Abby and yourself growing up? For me, it was Monopoly, but what trivial stuff used to get (laughs) the Grove fires burning?
1: Oh, look, um, playing cards around the campfire growing up always got very competitive. Um, I remember Dad getting particularly competitive in one one game. But, look, we... um, we had a quite a big property. Mum and dad actually put a an indoor pool in, and that was Mum's um, business was teaching the town to swim. So we had people booking in for lap swimming, and a lot of our friends coming over after school and doing swimming lessons um, in the pool. So we naturally um, did a bit of swimming, but. Um, I'm not that strong in the water. <laughs> um, you know, Jack, Abby and I would have basketball scratch matches. We loved getting the, the rollerblades out. We we got involved in everything we could really. I mean, Jack was a footy fan and a cricket fan from day one and his big goals, you know, as a four-year-old, five-year-old were to, you know, play AFL one day or play cricket for Australia. My sister was um, naturally really good um, at basketball and netball and, and she went on to to row for South Australia and uh I think just that love for sport and a variety of sports from a very early age um set us up well for the future
2: I noticed uh, wrestling you, you spent about 10 years wrestling was that just to get it over your siblings <laughs>
1: wrestling yeah <laughs> I uh I, I, We had some um, arm wrestles and, and I never won those, but um, weightlifting was another one that came up when the Sassy Scouts came around. I remember getting a letter about um, potentially becoming a weightlifter, but I decided, yeah, running was of more appeal.
0: <laughs> You've got a very significant weightlifter's build, so I think you made the wrong decision Jess. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Look, you've been with your coach Adam for such a long time now and it's obviously been an extremely successful partnership. Has your interaction changed over the years? as you become more experienced That, but also a physio and a coach in your own right?
1: Yeah it's a really good question. Um, so Adam he went to Memphis um, College. His goal was to become an Olympian and he was sort of anywhere from 1500 metres up and He actually suffered an Achilles injury that resulted in surgery and and he was, you know, rehabilitating um, his Achilles and his partner at the time, Kate, uh, was involved with a running club that I was associated with and our coach had actually moved on to a different sport and we were left without a coach and Adam stepped in and started helping us because he wasn't able to run as much as he wanted to. And from that, um, Team Tempo evolved, which is um, a thriving team of, gee I don't know how many members we've got now but um, basically Adam's focus is high performance running and you know he was just learning when when I first I guess came under um, his wing as a 20 year old athlete and uh, decided to stop playing netball and start focusing on running and so you know my marathon was in my first marathon was in 2012 as a 24 year old and and that was the first, um, I was the first athlete Adam had ever coached to a marathon. And I know he was seeking a lot of advice from, you know, the greats like um Sean Crichton, Chris Wardlaw, um, and a few personal mentors and and you know, Steve Monaghetti that all sort of scan their eyes over the program and give Adam feedback. And uh, because he was learning, I could sort of sense that he didn't have as much confidence you know, when I lined up for races back then as, as what he does now. And it's just been really special that um, evolution over 14 years. And the way we'd work differently now is probably that Adam trusts me to make some calls around my program. If I'm, you know, not feeling it on the day, um, he just trusts that I'll do something appropriate um, to manage, you know, any niggles or issues I have. And, Um, we have a very open dialogue and I think that's um, been very an asset over the years and I think he just knows what makes me tick says the right thing just before I go out to race and that's obviously come from really getting to know each other as um, you know me as an athlete but also um, we've got a friendship you know he's he's got a great family two sons when I told him that we'd like to Um, you know start a family he was so supportive of me and and that meant a lot Um, there was never any pressure from his end to get back into running
0: yeah unreal and you talk about that early entry into the marathon and some of the royalty of uh, Australian running being involved with that process what did blokes like Deke and Mona have to say about you uh, you know starting the marathon at 24 years old
1: it was Deke who actually inspired me to run a marathon when I did I've been striving to make uh, the my first Open Australian team. It was in uh, 2011. It must have been the World um, Cross-Country Championships in, in Spain. And I, I missed out on that team and I was shattered and went through a bit of a lull um, after missing out on that team. I thought that was my kind of one and only chance to run for Australia. And um, Adam suggested that I head over to Canberra to... Uh, run in a it was a handicap um, race you know just to get my mojo back and have a bit of fun and and I did and he actually teed up for me to have a a catch-up afterwards with Deke Uh, there were a few few of the greats there you know Sean Crichton I remember um, Dick Telford was there and and we were having a discussion and they said look you know have you ever thought about trying to qualify for next year's Olympics and (laughs) I kind of had a chuckle I was like for what event and you know they threw a few ideas out there and said you know the marathon team there's there are two (laughs) girls qualified at the moment there's um, Benita and and Lisa Waitman and you know the qualifying time the A standard is two hours and 32 minutes which you consider trying to run a marathon and I thought well I I feel like maybe it's um, a bit early to run a marathon but I'll go back to Adelaide and I'll have a chat to Adam and Adam said, "Why not? What have we got to lose? Let's let's go for it." So, you know, early 2011, that seed was planted, and then I ran my first marathon in um, Nagoya in March of 2012.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's uh, two, two Olympics and three common Games later. It was definitely the right decision.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I remember vividly um, Rob and a few of the the coaches there at the time said you can't always map out the the perfect progression. Um, the Olympic years will fall when they'll fall, and and you sometimes just have to work around that. And it was very relevant advice. You know, I thought I probably needed three years to build up to a marathon, but we were able to, you know, build up safely within that 12 month period. And I'm just so glad that I got that exposure when I did, because that was an incredible learning experience that set me up for the next, you know, decade.
0: That's such a good call. I guess, and in terms of that, um, I guess, timing, you, you've had your fair share of injuries, sort of stress fractures, et cetera, over the years, but you've been able to rise to the occasion for those major marathons really consistently. So how effectively do you think you can use large large chunks of cross training to prepare for these championship marathons?
1: Look, I was really worried when I suffered my first bone stress injury in 2014 ahead of the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow that was my first Commonwealth Games Um, I think the injury occurred in maybe Feb and the race was in June and I'd only ever known training for the marathon running as you know running (laughs) and uh, when I was faced with the prospect of you know a month off my feet uh, I started doing some um, boxing just for my upper body and I was yeah progressively adding in um, elliptical and rowing ergo work and I remember one rowing ergo session it was in my mum and dad's garage it was my sister's old rowing ergo and after about 10 minutes I was getting like a cramping feeling in my glutes and I chucked a cushion under my um, bottom and kept on going and then just burst into tears I was like this is this is painful like I, I wasn't enjoying it at all I was in a dark room I love running because I love getting out amongst nature and you know hanging out with my squad and that was a pretty low point for me and um, you know I I got through it I got some running training in and got to the start line um, with an open mind and ended up running a a personal best that day and so to think it was my best marathon performance ever and I prepared in this completely you know unique way for me I think that really opened my eyes to what's possible. And as long as you train your cardiovascular system, you make sure you've got the leg strength and you've got a strong mind, you know, anything's possible. So back in 2014, I I learned that there's no one way to prepare for a marathon and, and that's been valuable because I've had to prepare in many different ways. (laughs)
2: Love it. Yeah. We should mention too, that um, you're the first woman in history to win Uh, three medals at at the Commonwealth Games. So you must be really proud of this in the marathon distance.
1: Yeah, I wasn't aware of that, to be honest, uh, you know, until it got mentioned after this race. And I think what's been special is every Commonwealth Games I've gone in with um, such a different... I guess, um, goal for that race, you know, in 2014, I I really didn't think, um, I was much of a chance of a medal. And when I did win that bronze, it was like a gold medal to me. I just, I was so emotional at the time. And I thought this is, this is the peak, like it doesn't get better than this. And, and then going into the 2018 game, suddenly I was thinking, okay, you know, it would be incredible to try and get a silver or a gold here, ultimately gold. And, I just didn't really have the confidence that I have now in my ability to to kick down at the end of the race. So I probably was a bit impatient in that race and I ended up hitting the wall at about 37 Ks. And when I actually crossed the finish line, I was so satisfied because to this day, that's still the hardest race that I've ever finished. And so just crossing the line that day was a a real accomplishment. And then, you know, the most recent race in Birmingham, I, I, I didn't really go in thinking of a gold medal. I didn't want to put that pressure on myself. It was more about just um, taking in the moment and focusing on the process, um, celebrating, you know, my first, I guess, um, run over the marathon distance in the green and gold as a a mum and really, I guess, soaking up the opportunity to run um, with a team of women who I really admire as, as friends and athletes. So it's just been interesting to think of, you know, the different Commonwealth Games experiences and and the mindset that I took into each one.
0: Fantastic. Well, we'll talk about Birmingham specifically then. I guess, first of all, how good a place is St. Moritz to train? How was the experience <laughs> there?
1: Oh, uh, I, I can't think of a better place for running, really. I do love Adelaide as a running destination, but St. Moritz, it the biggest challenge there is actually um, holding back. So when you're up there and sort of tapering for your race and you're wanting to run more and explore more trails and yet you have to <laughs> be disciplined and, and stick to the program because it's, it's such a motivating environment to train and you've got um, obviously the scenery, you've got all of these um, athletes around you and it's it's fantastic i was so glad that we could um, take young billy there to experience it but we've set the bar pretty high for future holidays oh, he <laughs>
0: yeah he'll be
2: expecting big sure. <laughs> uh, did you uh do you feel like the altitude training paid off for the race
1: i really do i think that played a huge and very important role in the result we were aiming to sort of hit some hillier um runs there and when you're doing that at altitude and I guess it gives you confidence that it it should feel more comfortable when you get back to sea level. But it also, I think, just takes your fitness to another level.
2: Yeah, with the, everyone that watched along with you when you when you did win the marathon, it looked like a really hilly course. What was the the total elevation for the for the course?
1: Uh, I think around three hundred meters. Yeah. Uh, yep. It was interesting. We were able to drive. Um, a section of the course a few days beforehand so we started with an 18k loop which we did twice and then we had a bit of a, a straight section along a, a major road and and that led us into the CBD where we had that final five to six k hilly section that actually wasn't accessible by car so we weren't able to see that part of the course so when we were sitting in the, in the cool room on on race day and watching the you know Maddie de Rosario and the the wheelchair athletes navigating those final hills we suddenly realized just how profound they were and that was a bit of a wake-up call um, that we'd need a bit of energy for the (laughs) the final stages we knew there'd be some hills but I guess we downplayed them a little bit in our in our minds and I just remember in that moment the reality of of how tough that course was going to be really hit so uh, yeah, it was important to conserve as much energy as possible early on. That's for sure.
0: Mm. And in terms of that strategy, I've heard you recite the words "smart, brave, and strong" in relation to your effort. Can you explain the significance of these words to the listeners?
1: It's interesting. So, before the twenty fourteen um, Commonwealth Games, my coach actually um, organised or arranged a little um, booklet to be made for the team members and. Uh, they had little messages in there from Lisa Ondieckki, um Steve Monigetti, um Jackie Fairweather and and Rob D. Costella. And uh, I remember in Rob's message, he sort of it was a really inspirational little passage, and at the bottom he had those three three words written there. And and so on race morning, I wrote them on my hand and sort of worked out how they were were going to align with my race plan of of just being really um patient. Early on in the race, conserving as much energy as possible, as I mentioned earlier, and then there'd be a point where I'd have to be brave and sort of step out of my comfort zone and, and make some moves, as my coach had sort of said. Look, that needs to happen from 28 k's until that final hilly section. That's where you're. I'm going to you know give you the liberty to to push things along a bit. And then in that final section, he said, you just need to hold on and be strong. And yeah, it just lined up really well with Deep's words. And it was nice to have them on my hand throughout the race.
0: So inspirational. What about the words, I don't like you getting sweaty, mum. Don't (laughs) run fast.
1: Yeah, that's inspirational. (laughs) Now, Billy has a real uh, toddler, so he's he's two and a or just over two and a half he he doesn't like us getting sweaty and Dylan my husband and I both run and every time we head out to training or you know we, we line up to race he, he tells us um, not to get sweaty and don't run fast uh he's still saying it now it's hilarious <laughs> uh, that's
2: awesome can I ask you about your husband Dylan is he a sprinter or what's his background
1: He loves the two and 400 um, metre events, but the 800s is his, I guess, best distance um, that he's had the most success with. So he he has the South Australian um, state record of 146.64. That's his PB. And he's really hoping that he can still shave a bit more off that. It is tough just juggling everything. Um, So he works full time and tends to train either really early in the morning or... um, Or when he gets home from work so we're constantly just sort of working out who's going to train when and uh yeah it's it's a fun juggle though and it's just so nice that we both have a lot of respect for each other and what we're trying to achieve um in in running and and it makes it easier when you really understand you know what it takes
2: yeah absolutely and and what do you pick uh billy for distance or (laughs) or, or track
1: um at the moment he loves his bike and throwing balls around so (laughs) (laughs) uh, it'll be interesting to see I just I hope he loves the outdoors and being active as much as we do he's certainly been around uh, the running scene a lot he had no idea what was going on 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 race day I think you know Dylan uh, told the story of trying to get to the finish line um in time for for me to get there and and he was holding Billy in in one, under one arm and trying to sort of move through the crowd with the other. And Billy was just apparently in hysterics. So <laughs> he's had some pretty cool running experiences. That's uh, unreal.
0: Hey, was it a deliberate ploy from the three of you Aussie women to uh, psych out the other competitors by all wearing <laughs> the same sort of shades? Like, you definitely looked like you knew something that no one else knew.
1: Well, look, we were, you know expecting quite a warm day so we were preparing specifically for those conditions and coming up with strategies we had an incredible um, group of exercise physiologists um, you know sports dietitian um, behind the scenes looking at the forecast and coming up with um, ways to support us on race day so it involved you know taking in maybe some icy slushies if we needed to beforehand putting cold towels on our bodies wearing the ice vests um, because it could have been you know, in the low thirties with the heat wave that was going through the UK at the time, as it turned out, it was in the low twenties. And we still used some of those strategies to cool our body temperatures. And so we did walk up to the start line all wearing a you know, ice vests and, uh, you know, we we decided we would wear the sunnies because when we arrived there, it was quite glary when we were warming up. So it kind of was a bit of a coincidence that we all wore them, but we just rolled with it and embraced it when we uh, (laughs) worked out how funny we must have looked as a team, just waltzing up to the line in our, uh, you know, little ninja tops and...
0: (laughs) It was very intimidating, I imagine. <laughs> you guys look cool. It was good.
2: It was good. Good, good way to hide the tears.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Um, yeah.
2: What, while we're talking about heat, and I, I know you had, as you mentioned, you had the ice vests on, um, for people that are trying to improve performance over the marathon distance, how important is it to keep cool during the, the race? And I'm referring to um, just wearing lighter clothing, such as singlets as opposed to T-shirts.
1: Yeah, you know, you do all of this training for the marathon and it's funny, there are so many one percenters that you can also add into to um, shave time off your marathon. So, you know, it's anything from practising your, your nutrition strategies and your hydration, the the footwear choice, your clothing choice, uh, yeah, pre-cooling strategies, you know, wearing um, sunnies that make it look darker and might sort of cool, make you feel cooler there are so many options out there and I think um, clothing um, you certainly want comfort there. Minimising chafing, choosing something that isn't going to cause irritation or putting, you know, some sort of body glide or um, other brand um, on to, to make sure you don't have, you know, extra discomfort because as we all know, the marathon causes a lot of discomfort just you know, the distance itself. You don't want to be worrying about blisters and and those other sorts of things.
2: Yeah, good advice. Sporty glide. yeah. And I believe you've got a sports underwear line. Is that correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah, back in 2015, uh, I was living in Melbourne for the year actually and my brother uh, was playing for the Melbourne Demons at the time and, you know, I was expressing my frustration that I couldn't find these really good... um, running undies that, you know, I'd loved. I, I just couldn't find that same brand and style anywhere. And uh, my husband and my brother were like, yeah, well, you know, there's probably actually a gap in the market there because Jack was wearing Speedos in footy games. Mm. And, you know, my husband was getting into the running scene. And so that's where the idea of rundies sort of evolved. And it's been, you know, it, it's it's a, um, a hobby sort of at the moment. So it, it has been hard when we go away. And, and things like that. But I think we're going to, um, you know, put a more focused uh, approach towards it and and try and grow that business. What we love about it is it puts us in touch with the running community and gives us opportunities to give back as well, you know, for prizes, for competitions and, you know, going out there and setting up a stool at an event and getting to meet the athletes. So I think it's, yeah, it's got the potential to be something that we we really um, can embrace and, and grow and enjoy uh over the years it's just a matter of um working out when you know that time should be if
2: i if i want to get paul some for father's
1: day i'll, I'll flick you some yeah can, we'll discuss it afterwards what, what, what about the <laughs>
2: listeners can they get online for father's day presents
1: absolutely um yep we can organize uh express posting because it's it's not far away now but um or a belated father's day present yeah. so it's just randys.com.au
2: Perfect. Awesome.
0: There you go. Is, is there a, I, I need about three minutes off my marathon time to break three hours. Is there a guarantee that the Rundies will make the difference?
1: Uh, well, they can. The comfort will certainly mean that you're not distracted. I don't know if you can find three minutes there. We'd have to. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we if, if we could market that they're going to take three minutes off your time, I think they'd be flying out the door. So we need to come up with something there.
0: I'll, I'll take <laughs> ten, ten <pairs. laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So th- th- there was a bit of a, a bit of chat about Elsie Wellings handing you one of her gels during the Birmingham Marathon. Is it true that you actually had a gel in your in your pocket? And you just didn't like the flavour.
1: So, I do like to put a backup gel down my crop top um, before a race just so I've got that security blanket. So, when I was pounding down a heel at you know 10 Ks into the race and I just felt that slip out and heard it you know bounce along the road, I thought, Far out, hopefully, I won't need to use it. And then, sure enough, the 20 K station didn't have my gel and um, I had no backup. So, yeah, I was so grateful that Elsie was um, happy to give me her backup gel. That was, you know, she's an incredible team member and and that just showed her character.
2: Yeah, she's yeah. a legend. Yeah. Can um, you, you, you actually, did you only have four gels during the whole race?
1: I tend to take them at every 10-kilometre um, checkpoint. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I had one at... 10 20 30 and then ended up taking one at 35 you just don't know how you're going to feel on the day and whether your guts your gut will be able to tolerate all of the the gels and everything else you know the the drink mix that you're taking on and I knew that we had the this really hilly section coming up and I strap a gel to every bottle just in case and um at 35 k's I thought look my guts are feeling good I think I'll need this extra energy for the for the final stages of the course. So I'm, I'm glad I took that one there and look, you finish the race feeling horrible because they're so sweet and you just, I was just craving something salty because, you know, four gels is, is quite a lot on top of the big carb load beforehand, but I think fueling plays such an important role in a marathon. I reckon we'll talk
2: about carb loading. Yeah. I was, I was actually going to say that four doesn't seem like a lot to me. Um mm. Do, do you know other athletes that have a lot more?
1: Look, some athletes don't take any gels. They rely on the drink mixes because the gels don't sit well in their in their guts. I heard actually one of the American athletes, um, Emma Bates, was saying in an interview that at the World Champs in Eugene she had a gel at every 5K checkpoint. I think that's the most I've ever heard of. You know someone taking but the more the better really um it's just you got to make sure that it doesn't backfire and you feel unwell
0: yeah sure you talk about sort of bowls of rice and soy sauce as a staple of your carb load how long does it take you to be able to look at another bowl of rice (laughs) at the local chinese in south australia
1: (laughs) Look, fortunately, I, I enjoy rice, but it was so funny. We, you know, Elsie, Sinead, and I we'd line up and we'd be like, ooh, Basmati or Jasmine tonight, and, you know, it has the nutrition profile, and we're looking at which one has the most carbs, and the lady serving us was like, gee, you guys are really interested in rice, aren't you? She didn't know we were marathon runners because <laughs> we were just piling up our plates, you know, at lunch and dinner, but um, I – I didn't have too much of of an aversion to rice afterwards, but, yeah, wouldn't touch another gel for a little while, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) Good call. Good call. Look, how much easier is it to prep for these things in terms of food like with a marathon starting at 10.30, 11 o'clock, say, with a championship race versus Gold Coast starting at 6am? Are you Mm. one of these people that get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and make sure you have breakfast anyway? Yeah, I
1: actually was pretty disappointed in my race at the Gold Coast. I was, I was hoping to run a personal best there and I feel like I've got it within me. I just haven't mastered that distance. And I do think nutrition might've been a bit of an issue. I, I didn't have a big meal um, or a significant breakfast before the race. And it's probably just me, you know, not respecting that 21.1 Ks is still a long way and fueling is important. Um, I, I haven't, um, fueled within the race before over the half marathon distance, and I wonder if I could make some improvements there. I think I woke up at three forty-five and and yeah, just had something little to eat um, before the half. Whereas before the marathon, you know, I get up and three hours before the race, I'll have quite a significant breakfast of you know rice bubbles with honey on top, a couple of pieces of toast with honey and and uh, really make a conscious effort to get the fuel in. So uh, I, I prefer the the slightly later start just so that you can um, get a good meal in, in good time. Because even if you're getting up at 2am, it's kind of awkward to have a proper breakfast at that time.
2: Okay. And do you go back to sleep after you have that early breakfast three hours before?
1: Look, before the Gold Coast race, I actually quickly got ready and had a bite to eat and caught the bus um, because often you've got to be out at the race um, start area quite early as well. So, um, no, I've never woken up and had a meal and fallen back to sleep, although sometimes if I've woken up in the middle of the night um, before a marathon and I can't get back to sleep, I will just nibble on something for the sake of it.
0: (laughs) I just... What have you done with the eight pairs of RM Williams boots and 12 Acubras <laughs> that you must have accumulated over your Aussie rep career?
1: Yeah, look, um, that was a first, for RM boots for this really? one. Yeah, so they're very special. They're on a ship back from Birmingham somewhere at the moment. Um, we, we sent our gear back.
2: Unreal. Um,
1: so, yeah, I I was pretty stoked to get those. Um, my coach was, was jealous. Um, he's always wanted a pair of RM boots, so... We're going to try and get that sorted for him for his birthday but um, that was a really nice uniform this year. RM um, Williams did a great job.
0: Real. And is it a real faux pas to wear these things out in public outside of the games' <laughs> environment?
1: <laughs> uh,
0: Asking for a friend.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the RM boots would be fairly subtle. they've only they've got a little bit of green and gold on the tag. Um, but I think it'd be a faux pas to, to wear them with um my sportswear. <laughs>
2: Good To know, absolutely. Good to know. Hey, um, I've got I've got a few listener questions. So can we throw some some random listener questions at you? Sure. So Tess Healy wants to know um, how strict are you with your nutrition leading up to a race, and do you crave um you know foods and do you cave?
1: Mm, I'd say I'm quite strict. My sports dish dietitian and I have been working together since oh, 2013. So I ran two marathons um, without a specific plan and it was fine, but I did probably use up a fair bit of mental energy, just wondering whether I'd eaten enough, eaten too much whether I was eating the right things and you know it played on my mind quite a bit and I didn't line up with that confidence that I'd done you know the right thing from a nutrition perspective so since working with Olivia Warnes at the South Australian Sports Institute uh, we've really refined my plan it started out as a very specific plan that I um, took to the um, 2013 world champs in Moscow and I I used that plan for a couple of marathons and I'd find I'd get to the start line feeling really bloated and just, I don't know, kind of not ready to roll. I I just didn't feel bouncy and, and um, good. So we went to a low fiber carb load strategy and that's been so much better for me. So basically cutting out as much fiber from the diet as possible, choosing the white bread, the white rice, the white pasta and not having, you know, starchy vegetables and, porridges and those sorts of things. So uh, I have things written to the T like a, you know, medium sized banana, um, two cups of cooked rice. uh, And I don't have to think about it at all, as long as those things are all available in the two days before a race, which when you're overseas, you sometimes have to just check what will be available. But I just follow that, tick them off and um, can line up with that not being a concern of mine because it's been tried and tested. So I haven't um, deviated from that because I've caved because it's only two days and I just, I really believe in that plan. But certainly I I can't wait to try some different flavours after the race. And typically it's something really salty, as I said, like a, after the Perth Marathon, it was a really good um, chicken palmy. And uh, we say palmy here. I don't know. Other states might say palmer. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was a burger in Birmingham. So,
2: Nice one. That, Spectacular. That might be a good segue to the next question. Um, Paul Spratt wants to know, uh, what's the post-event games like? The party, does it get loose?
1: It has some years um, in in Glasgow in 2014. Uh, we had a lot of fun afterwards, you know, going out as a team and then there was the closing ceremony, but uh, we actually – were sort of told we'd need to be out within um, two days or so around that mark um after completing our event which was tough because the athletics only fired up on the tuesday our race was on the saturday so i got to see the morning session of the athletics and then and then i wasn't in the village anymore after that so there wasn't yeah, there weren't many opportunities to celebrate with the rest of the athletics team. We had a bit of fun together as, as a marathon team, but look, the night after a marathon, there's only so much you can do. You're hobbling around and <laughs> tired, and yeah, you're yeah. kind of, uh,
0: yeah, very exhausted. Yeah, you've got to work hard to hit the circuit, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: for sure. I've got a, a celebrity listener question in from LZ Wellings, actually. Hey. So, Unfortunately, performance-enhancing drugs are a cloud that hang around endurance sports. Just how difficult is is it to produce a urine sample after running a championship (laughs) marathon in the
1: heat? Oh, Elsie had some trouble. (laughs) I couldn't wait to see her after the race and and we both had drug testing. And, um, look, the issue is you're sculling water and trying to, Rehydrate and hoping you'll be able to produce this sample, but there, they're there saying, "Oh, don't drink too much, or you know, the sample might be too dilute, and you'll have to do it all again." So, it, it's an interesting one. It's probably one of the hardest uh, events to produce a urine sample um, <laughs> for, but uh, it's very satisfying when you finally get that 90 mils or whatever that you need to achieve. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what an achievement! That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i oh, what a stitch up That's
1: crossing cool. the lines one thing and then yeah <laughs> putting the cap on that sample <laughs>
2: um dave we've got another listener question dave dunn the leprechaun he wants to know how you keep smiling right through the race till the end
1: <laughs> i mean i i do get excited when i see familiar faces out on course so this was the first marathon that my son billy had had watched me run and so to see him there with um, my husband Dylan and, um, you know, my mother-in-law, a friend from Adelaide, we had a couple of friends from London there, it just your immediate reaction is to, you know, smile and kind of wave at them. And we got to see, I got to see them um, quite a bit throughout the course as well as Elsie's family and Sinead's family. So I think you find yourself smiling in those moments. And then occasionally you just... You know, take your thoughts away from how you're feeling and look into the crowd, and you might just see something really funny or random and it makes you laugh. You know, people dressed up. You know, Johnny, Elsie's husband, joked about finding this like just abandoned lounge and he was going to drag it to the edge of the course and just lie on the lounge chair and like wave at us as we ran past. Um, and then, you know, you see some kids running along with you. So I do like to just try and. Soak up the atmosphere and, and enjoy it, and it's just I think instinctive to to smile as a sign of that.
0: <laughs> it's nice to have that instinct. I'm usually just grimacing, like <laughs> <laughs> it's just this big scowl. I don't know. I don't have to work on that. It just Does it frustrate you when you come home from these sort of major championships every sort of two years roughly and have to explain the basics of marathon running to the mainstream media? You get asked questions like how hard is marathon running, that kind of stuff?
1: One of the big questions is how long was that marathon that you did? Uh, and trying to explain that, that the official marathon distance is 42.195 kilometres but there are ultra. Now, like, I think people get a bit confused thinking that, you know, every marathon's a different distance. Um, and then I think, you know, I, I can't even remember what I said after the race, but obviously um, spoke about the gel and, you know, people who don't run marathons would have been really confused, wondering what on earth a gel is and, and why we're we're taking these things.
0: <laughs> I, heard, I actually heard one commentator asking you if they were legal.
1: Yeah, yeah. No. Oh, whoops. Did I say that? <laughs> Yeah, it's very funny, <laughs> wow. but it, it makes you realise you just shouldn't make assumptions. Um, you need to sort of explain in detail that you have this opportunity at every five kilometre checkpoint to to take a drink that you know can have a gel strap to it, and uh, it is just something that in this sort of running world we we forget that it is a bit unique. <laughs>
0: I guess we are. I guess we are. Just you, you've done roughly half your marathons wearing the green and gold. How much difference does that uniform make to you in the last 10 Ks of these races?
1: Yeah, I've, I don't know if it's something that stemmed from, you know, being a young girl, watching the Olympics on TV and just being so in awe of the athletes and having this dream of pulling on the green and gold one day. It's almost like when I do it, it takes me straight back to that moment and the Uh, just the how inspired I was as a young as a young person and you realize the responsibility you've got when you wear the green and gold and you know we received some really cute little messages and um, you know drawings from primary school kids that were in our bedrooms when we arrived in the village and you know you really are um, out there running for so many different people and when you've got those colors on you, you really just feel that. And it, it definitely helps you through any situation that you might encounter in the marathon.
0: I love it. I love it. And most of these races you've done in that uniform are difficult conditions. Like they're not, you know, um, big city marathons. They're in tough sort of climates and that sort of stuff. Do you think relatively speaking, you perform better in, in those scenarios than like a cold, uh, cold big city marathon?
1: Yeah, I haven't had the opportunity to run in many of those sort of cold big city marathons. The closest was probably London in 2017 and then Toronto in, in 2018. I think uh, the mental side of running a marathon is huge and when you can go into a race knowing that you've prepared as well as you possibly could have for those specific conditions, you know, the the more research you can do beforehand to suss out the elevation of the course, whether there's cambered sections, technical part, um, technical, you know, um, areas, the the conditions, whether there's going to be shade out on course. I, I think if you can line up knowing that you've really um, done your research and prepared for every aspect of the course, it, it it makes you feel like you do have a little bit of an advantage, and and that helps me, I guess, to stay composed going into those. Um, you know, difficult um, championship scenarios sometimes. And I think it's, as the years have gone on, I've become more comfortable with the tactical side of championship racing. Um, It can be quite daunting to go into a race having no idea how it's going to play out versus lining up for the Perth marathon in, you know, October of 2021. I knew what pace I wanted to hit and I could kind of visualise what that was going to look like. But going into the Birmingham race, I didn't know if people were going to, you know, you know, fire out of the starting zone and, and hit a hard pace from the get-go or whether it was going to be very conservative early on. And uh, that unknown can be a bit daunting.
0: And how, like, you run 227 in Birmingham, 225 in Perth. How do those times equate for you? I I would have thought a 227 is worth a a quicker time than
1: 225. Mm. Yeah, I I felt like I was um, in, you know, in better um, fitness and I was stronger uh, in Birmingham than than Perth. So I sort of lined up thinking I'm probably not going to run a personal best time on the clock here today, but I feel like I have a personal best effort within me. So I would say that that... That result would translate to a, you know, a better performance than the two twenty five fifteen in Perth.
2: Ah, oh, so
0: cool! Yeah, I love that. Absolutely, that's very cool. So we should talk about Blackmores. We yeah, should. yeah. So you've taken on the role as an ambassador for City uh, Running Festival, and um, so what what would it mean to you to have the City Marathon representing Australia as an official World Marathon Major?
1: It would mean a lot. I mean, those world major marathons are so significant and, gee, they attract a lot of tourism to, you know, that, that country or city as well. And I think to, to be able to have one of those in Australia would be really special for, you know, this generation and the generations coming through. I think it would create a real buzz and I'm really hoping Sydney can do it. <laughs>
0: And yeah, me too. And, and, and what does your role entail as an ambassador for the race, Jess?
1: Well, they've got a number of criteria that they need to meet um, to become a world major marathon. So as an ambassador, I'm hoping to try and help them to, to meet that and um, to encourage as many people to participate as possible. Uh, I actually haven't run um, the event myself and I'm really looking forward to hopefully doing that. At some stage, uh, because I've heard so many positive things about um, the Blackmoors Running Festival, you know uh, that we're going through a bit of a running boom at the moment. I think men and women, and as a physio and as a as a running coach, I just love what the marathon event and even the half marathon event can can add to people's lives often people start with this tentative goal and they think can I do it and they might start out with a 10k and think you know when I tick this box I'll be happy and they start to see their um, fitness improving and just the the mental benefits and the lifestyle choices you start to make and the friends that you start to make and suddenly it becomes part of your routine and suddenly you think oh well know what else is possible let's go for a half marathon and you know it just keeps building from there i I just think running has so much to offer and i'm i think the uh the profile that you know um, the black moors running festival would hold if it was a world major would just encourage more people in australia to to set themselves a a marathon goal
2: absolutely will you be in sydney in three weeks time
1: I actually won't be. South Australia has um, it's, its own fun run here on that day, um, the City Bay, which I'll be participating in. So um, I can't be there in, in person this year. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see about future years. Um, and, I mean, yeah, I, as I said, I just I love the sport of, of running and whatever event it is that's, you know, encouraging people to get out there but also to raise money for good causes and... Um, so I will be running on the day, just in a different location.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Hey Jess, have the the Port Adelaide Scouts been sniffing around for a tilt of the AFLW you <laughs> post-marathon retirement?
1: Oh, dear. Uh, I'd need to improve my kick. I've got a bit of a stiff-legged kick. I, I, <laughs> I've, yeah, obviously had a lot of kicks of the footy with my brother Jack over the years, and um, I'd need a fair bit of coaching. I think I'd yeah struggle with the direction changes at the moment too I came from a netball background and I just loved the dodging and the jumping and it just horrifies me to to imagine what I'd look like if I tried that now
2: (laughs) you'd be good for four quarters though wouldn't you
1: yeah I'd be able to run run out of match I just um, might injure myself in the process I'm so well trained at running in a straight line now it'd be yeah, quite a sight. <laughs> so
0: do you reckon your hamstring flexibility might be as impressive as Erin Phillips
1: then? <laughs> uh, yeah, my my hammies would struggle with it, actually. Uh, <laughs> and, and, yeah, I, I yeah, watching Erin's amazing. She's cheesy. an absolute gun. <laughs>
0: Incredible. And so, Jess, I believe you're heading over to New York later in the year. Is that correct?
1: Yep. Elsie and I will both, both be heading over there for the New York Marathon, which is an event that, look, so many people, when you say that you run marathons, say, have you done New York? You know, it's just one of those events that a lot of um, recreational runners aspire to run, elite runners aspire to run. I think it's just got that atmosphere um, that draws a lot of people in and attracts a lot of people back. So I just, yeah, I've been wanting to race that one for many years and uh, I'm really looking forward to, to taking it on in 10, nine, 10 weeks now. And my brother will be running his first marathon there too.
0: Wow. So is there any chance that you won't be the fastest runner in your family after the New York marathon?
1: Well, he's still in the thick of footy season at the moment. So the more games they win and the further they progress into finals, the less marathon training he'll be doing. So at the moment, if they make the grand final, he has a four-week window to train for the marathon. So <laughs> I think I'll have that advantage if I'm actually training for the event.
2: <laughs> if you were to pick his time, what do you think you would do?
1: Oh, gee. He's a bit of an aerobic beast. I think... Look, I think he would get under three hours. It's um, just how far under, really. He he just went out for a casual 30K run um, a, a few months ago and I think he averaged four minutes there per K sort of without the specific training. So we'll see.
2: <laughs> He's obviously wearing the Rundies.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. If he gets a good result in Rundies, I think we'll just claim his time. It was the Rundies and he could make that everybody. our slogan. You
2: could be the ambassador for it. <laughs> yes, oh, that's, that's right. <laughs> oh, I'm buying some. That's it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unreal. Well, look, Jess, thank you for giving up your time and chatting with us. And, uh, you yeah, I, I hope you can help to get the, the City Marathon Festival over the line in your role. Yes. Thank okay. you. Best of luck in the build up to New York. I look
2: forward to seeing how uh, you smash that one as well. <laughs> yeah. Great, yeah, great, great chatting with you. Thanks for giving Thank up your you. time. And yeah, we're we're really excited to to watch your progress in the future.
1: Thanks. Yeah. Great to chat to you both. Bye. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers.